Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. the Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. Hey, Doug, what's the good word, my guy? Hey, I'm cool. I'm here, Perez, man. How you doing, brother? Brother, I'm tired. (laughs) 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 Man, audience, we told y'all we had a busy weekend on tap, and we did. We were covering the big three. Had a Chicago Sky game over the weekend, brother. Man, we were grinding this weekend, man. Hey, you hit it right the head, bro. I am worn out. I can't even lie to you, man. Because, <laughs> I mean, we was moving like crazy, bro. You know, so it was tough, but it's good. Yeah, but excited, man. I mean, like, just speaking through it, I mean, man, what were some of your overall observations and highlights from covering the Big Three this weekend? No, oh, man, coming to Big Three was dope, Perez. Uh, I think some of my highlights, man, just seeing some of those legends, man. You got Gary Payton, Dr. J, Iceman, George Gervin out there, man. Just seeing those legends, man. Yes, I got to take my cap off, man, take my shoes off, not enter the door, Perez, seeing those guys. So, you know, I got to give them their respect. Yeah, man. and also, to the homie Ice Cube, man, for making that whole thing possible, for giving these players the opportunity to continue to play. I mean, you have players from all type of walks of life, young players, retired NBA players, or players that are kind of, they're kind of fringe. They're kind of on their way out of the league, and it kind of gives them visibility to hopefully get back into the league. So, man, salute to Ice Cube for putting this thing together. This is year five of the big three, man. Yeah, the, seems like the big three may be here to stay for us. I got a good platform. I got a good thing going, man. And you hit around there, you talk about some of those old players like Iso Joe, you know, Rashad Lewis, just seeing those guys out there still able to play ball, man, gives you a lot of, you know, a lot of hope with a lot of these other players who may decide to leave the league and decide to want to play ball again and go to the big three. Yeah, and also think about a guy like Michael Beasley, who was tearing it up and, and over the weekend. Gerald Green, who's a high flyer. You still see the pop in them legs. So, I mean, there's a lot <laughs> of talent out there on the, on, the, on, the, on the floor, man, out there, man. Also, too, seeing the Chicago kids, Will Bynum, Julian Wright, bro. That yeah. was really good to see. Yeah, it's always good to see the hometown people, man. You hit it one hand, Will Bynum, a guy who I played basketball against, man, just to see him. I mean, he didn't get a chance to play because maybe something, maybe he's injured or something like that, that Gary Payton didn't want to dive deep into when he was talking to the fans. But it was good to see him on the bench there, man, having a good time too. So it's always good to see Chicago legends. And speaking of Chicago audience, you know we did our Power Force recaps on this show. Man, we had the fellas <laughs> from the show that pulled up, Diamond, Jannard. Man, it was cool seeing them dudes courtside. They was talking a lot of shit, too, man. <laughs> hey, man, you could not set Jannard up, man. He kept on talking. Iso Joe talking about, hey, he's a baby on the court, man. Yeah. Him, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you could not shut Jannard up, man. He was going all out, man. Salute to him, though. Well, I think he knew them cameras was on him, so yeah. <laughs> and even shout out to, uh, to Blackston as well, because he was out there, too. He was cracking me up as well. <laughs> yeah, they did, man. They had us going, Perez. I can't even lie, man. But it was awesome to see the fans, people on the bench being part of the game, right? Shouting out, saying different things, man, and participating, right? No, it was really good times, man. Big three, again, I just want to salute Ice Cube and his team and his staff for bringing that to Chicago, first and foremost, and also just for the opportunity that we were blessed with of being able to cover that event. I mean, 
you got to think about this, A-Dub, man. We started this platform June of 2021, and here we are now covering the Chicago Red Stars, the Chicago Sky, man, the U of I basketball and football, the Paul basketball, man. I mean, it's like – I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, humbling to see – covering a lot, bro. Yeah, it's humbling to see where we where we at. And this is the thing. We didn't even scratch the surface yet, man, because there's still pro teams out here that we still – we waiting on y'all to, to, to put some respect on our name. We waiting on y'all. Don't worry. We gonna still be here. <laughs> oh, it's yes, sir. It's coming for us. It's coming. You know, they they gonna have to respect me or not, babe. We on our way, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, man, let's get into this show, man. So, speaking of the Chicago Red Stars, we covered a the game there recently, and I have to, you know, just say that this team been really impressive. They're third place right now, winning games, but they lost one of their big time defenders in, in Kayla Sharple. She tore ACL out for the season. She's a Northwestern alum. Tough to see that type of injury happen with the team because the team is definitely starting to get down uh, low when it comes to the defensive side of things. But they're peaking. We know that this team made it to the championship game last year, A-Dub. So this is a team that I really know that they have that DNA. They know how to get it done. They're a gritty team. And the only thing that I would just say to the fans is get out there to Bridgeview. Support this team. You know, the fans, y'all were a little light. Now, y'all were loud at the game. But a little light at that last home game now. Get out there. <laughs> and no excuse. It was great weather that day. Get out there and support those Red Stars. Oh, yeah. Definitely got to support the Red Stars. And we always talk about the quality teams when it comes down to the ladies, right, Perez? It's another quality team. We used to talk about the Sky being a quality mm-hmm. team. This Red Star team, just as good, Perez. They are a quality team to watch. They put a good – those girls play hard. They put it all on the line, man. So if you have not supported the Red Star, get out there and show them some love. And I hope nothing but speedy uh, recovery for Kayla Sharples. Is, uh, that's that torn ACL. That's that was a tough. That's a tough injury. You know what I'm saying? And I actually saw that press with that injury, man. From with Kayla, man. That that ACL, MCL press tearing that. I saw when she grabbed her knee, bro. I said, "Oh, it's over." Her left knee. I said, "It's done. It's done, man. It's not a good look." But I do hope she have a good recovery, bro. And and that's the thing too. You got to also look at this is not a sixth person in there in the soccer league with a torn ACL this season. So, man, I just hope that, you know, things kind of subside there with those type of injuries because those are really traumatic injuries to the body. So I'm, I'm hoping for a speedy recovery for Kayla. Nothing but big things in store for the future of this Red Stars franchise. So, yeah, you're right, man. Hoping up for great things in store for them down the road, man, for her, for sure. And, um, yeah, we're going to see how she recovers, man, from it. She did post it on Twitter that she was devastated at first, but felt that a lot of people actually reached out to her to show her some love. So she's all good and expecting for a good recovery, bro. Now, let's dive over into our Chicago Sky content, A-Dubs, because we've had a slew of games since the last time we've been on this show. The first one, A-Dub, I want to get your thoughts on the, the Chicago Sky's game against the Connecticut Sun. Woo-wee! That was a good game, Chris. I got to say this, man. Emma has been very impressive to me, Perez. I know I talked about her before. You and I talked about her, man. But, again, I got to say, man, her IQ of the game, knowing when to cut, Perez, her shot selections. I mean, she has a smooth game in the post that I talked about. And when she's making those turnaround fadeaway shots, baby, man, she's on the money, Perez. So she was excellent in that game here, Perez. I think she had about 26 points, man. Shot very well from the field. She was actually carrying us, bro. No, she definitely did. And you always talk about just that presence that she has down low. So great compliment to Candace because Candace in that game, she definitely got off. I mean, she had, what, 18 yep. points in that ball game, uh, made some free throws down the stretch to kind of basically seal this the victory for us. But one of the things that we keep talking about with this team is Rebecca Gardner in this ball game, 14 points off the bench, came in, played with an urgency, but not just offensively, because AW always makes sure to give her her props on the defensive side of the ball. I'm telling you, man, she does – she makes an impact as soon as she gets out there in their court. And now this is another game that we see that Gardner is stepping up for this team when they need her the most. I will tell you, Perez, if she done that with less than 17 minutes, Perez, a little bit over 16 minutes, but less than exactly. 17, bro. Exactly, exactly. Woo! Productive, right? <laughs> yep. Man, I love that girl. She's been she's been balling for us, bro. Yeah, she's been invaluable. Uh, Vandersloot, eight assists in the ball game. So, yeah, I mean, to your point, man, Emma, she was a big part of this victory. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, when, when, you, when you talk about the team that they played the Sun, I mean, they had some people that was getting it done. I mean, Brianna Jones, yeah. she, I mean, she Woo. was tearing it up. Uh, Dewana Bonner, I mean – they have talent on that team. I mean, they're 10 and 4. 
for a reason. <laughs> for real, you asked what Jaquil Jones on that team as well. I mean, she's right. pounding the rebound, hitting the boards. I'm glad she didn't get off against us, but she only had seven points. Miss Ben, we played some pretty good defense on her. But yeah, man, they had loaded team too, Perez. And you're right, man. Dewana Bonner, man, she is long, Perez. <laughs> and, and she actually had to tackle us in the basket. So I got to give her props, man. She, she's one of those, those young ladies, man, who can ball. And to your point, I mean, let's remember this, fans, an audience. This is a rematch of the WNBA Finals. So this is a team right here that's loaded. They, we match up very well with them. We've shown that in the past. And I love seeing how our, our team battled them because this was a really good game. It was a really good game, A-Dub. Man, it was fast-paced spreads with a lot of energy on both sides. They played with a lot of energy, so did we, right? <laughs> they played up with a tempo. We played with a tempo. And I'm glad we were able to last those uh, outlast them because I'll tell you, that third quarter was key for us. No, and that's exactly it, because that was kind of when we saw the kind of ties turn a little bit in that game, A-Dub. Yeah, it did, man. And you hit it on the head. Who was a big part of that? You talked about Rebecca Gardner, right, a minute ago. She was a big part of that third quarter and gave us a boost. Because, you know what, with the Liberty game. Now, that game, you know, was a little bit <laughs> different for us, right? And right. that game, <laughs> I want to get your thoughts, because even though we pulled off the victory, it still was – this was a game where I kind of saw – you know, we kind of struggled at times in this ball game, but we still showed that championship DNA, the pull-off, you know, victories, even when you don't play your best ball. Yeah, Press, you're right about that, man. We didn't have our best ball, but I, I will say, man, Courtney Vandersloot, man, she done her thing, carried the load for us, really, Press. She's making big shots for us, uh, especially down the stretch. So I got to give her a lot of credit, man, because she and Candace Parker, you know, were pretty huge for us um, to help us get the, to seal that deal. So, Salute to both of them, man. Um, and, you know, Emma still did her part, too. But, again, it was a total team effort starting with Courtney. Yeah, man, because in this game, they had to fight off Sabrina, who was out there looking like a young Kobe. I mean, she had a triple-double in this game. I mean, she's got so much fucking talent, man. That girl, she was in her bag that whole night. Man, Sabrina Inescu, Press, <laughs> man, she had a triple-double in three quarters, bro. <laughs> yeah. And she was out there cooking off those screen and rolls, putting up shots, man. She, I, I'll tell you one thing, Press, she was making shots like Steph Curry, bro. I can't even lie, man. Now, I think that that actually inspired Snoop. Like, look, I got to turn it up now. <laughs> and Courtney Vendor Snoop asked the bell, bro, real quickly. She really did. But at the end of the day, though, you talked about how Snoop was key down the stretch. I thought – Trying to defend someone like Sabrina is a good match for our wings because yeah. that's the type of stuff that's going to make them stronger and better in the future. You know what I'm saying? But to Sabrina's credit, she kind of shot down after the game about the triple-double. She was like, look, I don't care about triple-doubles. We lost. And she was pissed off by that. <laughs> and so I respect that while she's having individual success, she's like, no, I want to win. And you can't have enough of that on the team because you know – if that was one of our players on our team, you don't want to hear people talking about the individual accomplishments if they lose. Yeah, you're right about that, Perez. That just shows her she's about more about winning than about stats, man. You gotta love any player that have that thought process. So salute to Sabrina on that part of it, man. She definitely was out there looking for a win. They just didn't get it because they went to a tough Chicago sky. But I like her uh, demeanor and her, um, the way she her mindset works, man. She she got it in her press that she's one of those winners. And, I mean, she joins Candace and Cheryl Swoops as the only women in the sport that have had multiple triple-doubles in their career. I mean, that's a great uh, – I mean, you talk about WNBA royalty, those are some great people to have your name next to. Oh, definitely, man. Definitely some good names to have your name next to. So that's good for her, man, a good individual accomplishment, even though she don't take it that serious. But, hey, this is good to have. It was really key in this game, even though I thought that, you know, there was parts of the game where we could have probably done better, especially defensively on Sabrina. I yeah. thought where the Chicago Sky won this ball game was on the offensive boards. They really took it to the Liberty in this game, and I think that was kind of what led to their demise. Yeah, it did, Chris. I thought rebounding was huge, man. I think – this team, you know, with um, with Emma, you, you know, um, you definitely know that Khalil Copper getting involved as well. I mean, total team effort with the press to where we decided that, hey, you know what, it's enough is enough, right? We got to do it on the defensive side of it. And they actually came to play on that side too, uh, especially down the stretch. Yeah, because, okay, you you talk about Khalil Copper, who as a guard is not afraid to hit the, to hit the glass. Emma hits the right. glass. Candace hits the – I mean, this is a really good rebounding team. Azarae coming off the bench, hitting the, hitting the boards. So we got a lot of second-chance opportunities in this ball game. 
And I think that was key because when the shots aren't falling, hey, those off, off those offensive boards, hey, give you a second, third chance to extend the position, maybe even melt the clock down a little bit. So I thought that's where it was kind of key for us in this ballgame. Yes, it was, Perez, because you're right. You know, we weren't as hot as we were, you know, uh, going down. But the thing is, we, we played strong defense. That's where this team, I think, the Chicago Sky take their game to the next level. You hit a good point about the rebounding piece of it, but also getting those steals as well. Key steals, key stops. That's when they make their bread. brother, you ask me, Perez, with this team. They got the players to do it with. And how about that highlight play that uh, Maureen Johnson had when she drove to the basket through that behind-the-back pass to Stephanie Dolson? I was like, that shit was kind of sick. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I said, man, y'all want to do some Scott team? Man, all right, all right. I understand Stephanie Dolson to play for us, but, man, don't put a, don't put this on the highlight now. <laughs> relax. But you know what, Perez? These ladies can ball. To, to kind of turn the page a little bit to some of the more recent games that we had, you know, uh, as of as of late. And so the Chicago Sky returned home to play the Atlanta Dream. We covered that game live. And this game right here, A-Dub, we found out that Candace Parker was not going to play in this ball game. So it was kind of a surprise because she right. sat out a little bit of time in that fourth quarter of that Liberty game. So I didn't really yep. know what to take of that. But, you know, we found out that she was battling a little bit of a knee issue, which she missed the game against the Dream. And so getting that information – and seeing that the Chicago Sky in this game, A-Dub, had an 18-point lead at one point in the game, I was thinking, all right, Coach, you got to plan that pretty well. You know, rest of Candace, you guys look like y'all might be in a good spot here. And the Atlanta Dream, A-Dub, would not go away, bro. You're right. We were up 18 in the third quarter, bro. I'm like, how do we blow that kind of a lead, man, to make this game very difficult against the Dream? But as you know, man, Cheyenne Parker and Co. Ryan Howard, they didn't quit. They kept on balling. They kept on fighting. They got back into that game. For made it very tough for us. No, they, they really did. Uh, but, however, you talked about Ryan Howard. The thing with her is she had that early, that early foul trouble early in the game, and that really, I thought, was the reason why we got out to that big lead because she started hitting some really tough buckets there in that first quarter, and yep. when she left out of that game, that's when we were able to kind of neutralize and kind of take advantage. And to the point that you always make on this show about Kalia Copper, people forget that she's the MVP. Well, she showed you the MVP caliber in this ball game because she took over and made plays when they were needed the most in this game. Yeah, she took over, Perez. You talk about making plays. We're talking about offensive plays and defensive plays. Yep. Big rebound to Perez, big shots. She was making three pointers. I was like, man, Kalia, Popper, Kalia uh, Copper's in her bag in this game here. She knows that we're shorthanded without Candace Parker. And she stepped her game up. So I got to salute Khalil on that game because she actually came to play for us and held it down for us. And she was the one that really held it down for us to who, who actually carried the team. She did, but she had help now because think about it. Emma chipped in with 17, been consistent all season. But Allie Quigley, her shots were starting to go down. She had 17 points in this ball game. And we talked about on this show the importance of Allie Quigley being able to give us something because she is so important with stretching the court because people have to defend the threat of her shooting that three ball. Right, right. It seems like you're right, Perez, because now she's starting to feel a lot better after that injury she had, right, that was a setback. And now she's getting more comfortable with the game, her legs and all that stuff getting under her now. Now she's making those shots off the dribble, which I thought in this game here, she did a good job at doing so. A couple of dribbles here, pull up three-pointer. I'm like, well, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's the old alley. So seeing her do some things that she used to do, Perez, was a big up for us. And then you add in there as Ray Stevens, who actually – made some big shots, you know, in the, in the, in the overtime, that big three-point overtime, that was huge as well. So just seeing this team come together, man, to help out, chip in without Candace Parker was huge. No, it really was. And, I mean, this is a game right here that up by 18, the dream come back and tie this thing up. Overtime is forced. Azure Stevens makes the play of the game with that block shot to send it to overtime. And i tell you one thing, I was nervous in that moment because I was like, man, Ryan Howard got a decent shot, and then they got the offensive board, but Azarae yeah. was right there to make that block. I mean, I thought that was huge because in overtime, they couldn't do nothing with us. No, they couldn't at all, man. But it shows that how important Azarae is to this team too, Chris. You yep. hear a lot about that as well. She's a big part of it. So whether she's in the starting rotation or come off the bench, she is very productive. So I like what she was doing, especially in the game, man, with Sloop being in foul trouble, Chris. I know you yep. talked about Ryan Howard with the same thing, but Sloop was in foul trouble, and we had other people to chip in. I think Azarae was one of those individuals. So salute to her in this game here, man. She gave us about 15 points, about six boards. So that was good production from her. Yes, sir. And then Rebecca Gardner again. I mean, <laughs> you guys going to keep hearing the trim <laughs> on the show. 
She had another 15 points. And I just want you guys, we A-Dub and I, we try not to focus so much on, on the box score, but when you look at the box score for Rebecca Gardner, look at the minutes that she gets and the production that she puts out there on the court. It's crazy how productive she is on the court. She's very productive, Chris. And let's talk about that with her, how she scores. I think people realize they see the stats. She got 15. How she get 15? I mean, she's going to the basket. She can take you off the dribble. She can pull up on a jump shot, man. She can score a variety of ways. She plays very good defense as well that creates some tempo for us to get some fast break points. So she's a big part of what this team is doing now. And um, she's now becoming a weapon uh, for coach. So, hey. Look out. You're going to hear more from Perez talking about Rebecca Garner. She's, she's a hell of a ball player. But, you know, the one thing here, the Scott, this team has been on a roll, been winning a lot of games, but, hey, up again on the Indiana Fever. And this game, unfortunately, we lost to them. But if you look at what happened against the Dream and you see how we played in this game against the Fever, you can't keep having nights like this because the Fever, even though their record is what it is, hey, th those girls and those ladies, they're pros. And if you let your foot off the gas, any given Sunday, somebody is going to beat you. And that's what happened to our team this night. And we almost lost against the Dream Press that way. I'm glad we pulled it out. But here we go. Like you said, it's the fever. Same situation, blowing those leads, man. And um, this is a team that really came at us, man. I mean, uh, Kelsey, Kelsey Mitchell, she played well for her team. She was battling back, attacking the basket. She helped them spark that run. And guess what? They came back. I said, oh, man, we're in trouble. And it looks like right, we were getting a little gas for us. I'm like, well, we're kind of like in trouble in this game here. I didn't think we could pull it off twice. But it showed. Fever beat us, man. It is what it is. Well, so this is the thing. We were rolling, man. I mean, at halftime of the yep. ball game, we was up by 13. Clear copper was going off. I mean, this is another game that Candace Parker missed, right? So we, we did yeah. go into this matchup. Candace was going to sit out. Clear was in our bag. But it was that third quarter. And we talk about yep. this a lot with this team where there's just certain quarters where we kind of let our foot off the gas a little bit. And it happened in this game. Third quarter, the fever just came out, and they took it to us. I mean, that's really – I got nothing else to say about it. They took it to us. Melissa Smith, she was just on another fucking planet in that yep. ball game. Score <laughs> from everywhere, A-Dub, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, man, from three-pointer in the paint, no matter what she on the floor, man. She's just hitting shots, man. And uh, she pulled a good show. So, I mean, she got hot, and the rest was history. The rest of the team fall along with her. But you hit a good point, though, Perez. We can't allow these teams, you know, to get back in the game. We got our phone in the next. We got to keep it there, bro, because this is what can happen to us. Any female can get hot, as you can see, and do their thing. Yeah, but I think that Coach Wade is going to have this team. They're, they're, I, I guarantee you that he's going to have them really – analyzing themselves defensively because a lot of what you're seeing is the defensive breakdowns that are happening. We saw it in that game against the dream. We saw it again with this game against the fever. We got to defend. We got to defend better. I mean, I, that's the key with this team. Stop putting teams on the, on the foul line. Like there's just a lot of things that we're seeing with this team that we got to clean up a bit. Cause I think we kind of get too relaxed when we get these big leagues for us. Mm -hmm. I wanted us to have become a problem. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, let's keep it, keep it, keep, keep, keep it going. Keep playing good defense. Keep playing smart. Let's not get careless with the ball. Cause if we get careless with the ball, what happened? They score off our turnovers, which they were doing, scoring off our turnovers. I'm like, we can't, you know, screw the ball that way, you know, um, and get them those kind of charity points like that. So we gotta be better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like I said, you know, we'll, we'll, be, we'll get back to it. I know that Candace probably should be back at some point and, I would just say this. When I think about the Chicago Sky, they are better off this season than they were a year ago. And you have to think about this, audience. They won the championship last year. And the season yep. that was mired in COVID, injuries, the Olympic break. Think about all the stuff that they had to overcome last year, and they got hot at the playoffs at the right time. You hit it right on the head, Chris. I think we are better suited for the long run with these new acquisitions, right, that we have with Edmund Gardner. They play a big part of with Evans. Uh, showing her showing up as well. This team is much better than it was last season. So if someone gets hurt, like Candace Parker go down, I think we got enough pieces that can help us still get some victory. So we're in a good place. I just hope Candace recovers very well and come back the same. Yeah, I'm sure she will. But I, I think right now you got to pick your spots. Candace is an agent player. I don't want to be throwing people's age numbers out there, but I would just say that yeah. this could potentially be her last season. So you want to make sure that you're getting the best out of Candace for the playoff and that, that championship stretch here. And so I'm okay if Coach Wade needs to maybe give her a couple days, a couple games off, you know, in the middle of the season. We should be fine. Yeah. 
And you know what? That's why I wasn't too much worried, Perez. I just hope the energy wasn't bad. But you're right. I'm with you, Perez. She needs to take some days off anyway, some games off, because she is a, an Asian player. And it's not against her. It's just what it is, right? You want to keep her fresh, right? And that's what you want to do with your star players anyway, especially someone at that age. So I think for that reason, Perez, I'm with you, man. Let's give her some time off anyway and let her do her thing and come back better. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, speaking of coming back better, man, my boy Tim Anderson got activated off the injury list. And he came back at a time when we need him so, so much. <laughs> my, Chicago's White, my Chicago's White Sox offense is sputtering. We see Johan Moncada's going down on that injury list. And let's just say this, man. When it comes to this White Sox team, White Sox nation, it's been tough. You know, it's like you watch these games, and it's almost like it's torture. And I think the brighter days are going to be ahead for us. We're going to be good. TA's back. And uh, the one thing, though, we got to just make sure is hopefully Tony LaRusso don't put too much pressure on him getting back. Because when you saw that injury that he had, it could have been a very serious injury. Yeah. That's you know, true. he was lucky that it was only just a strain of the growing. You got to play it safe now with these players. I mean, the White Sox have had too many injuries, even the past two seasons, for us. Talk about last season and this season. It's too much happening. So you really got to be careful with Indies players coming back from injury. But like I said, you know, Yon Moncada, now he's on the on the injury list with a strained right hamstring. And this was after Yon Moncada started to show some lights with his bat because he struggled. And I talked about this on the show. He hasn't been the same player that he was in 2019. It's unfortunate now that he's going down with an injury because he was starting to turn things around as of late. He was starting to turn things around. He hit well against Detroit Perez. I'm like, oh, this is a good thing for him, right, to see this guy start to get some hits in. And then now all of a sudden you got the injury, right, with him going on the IL. So it's like, man, not again for this guy. He's already been through enough already this season trying to get back and not go back through another injury. So that's going to be tough on him. And I hope he can recover from it mentally, Perez. That's the key right there, mentally. Like I said, especially since he's, as of late, was kind of tearing it up. He was on the last four games before he got hurt. I mean, he was stepping it up because, as you mentioned, he's been battling injuries all season, the oblique, the quad injuries, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so that's on top of what's been going on with Jimenez, who's starting his rehab assignment here this week. So hopefully we get him back because that torn hamstring tendon that he had, you know, that was another injury. I was kind of like, boy, you know, that came at, at an unideal time. But then also Liam Hendricks. He's now on the injury list. And it's crazy when people was asking about his injury. And this man, he let out a truth bomb and said, look, I've been playing with a torn UCL since 2018. Dang. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, boy, you got to be a tough son of a bitch to be, pay- <laughs> to, be, to be pitching with a torn UCL. Yeah, he is tough. That's a tough dude there, man. I would not judge him on talking about being injured. When he says he's hurt, he's hurt. Exactly. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, though, let's think about this situation, White Sox Nation, that we have a lot of guys out right now. I didn't even talk about Grandal. I didn't even talk about Bummer. You have so many guys that are out right now. And we're still kind of in the hunt a little bit. I mean, this season isn't going the way that we all expected it. But I still think that this team's got a chance to get back in the conversation. We get all our guys back. I think the biggest key, though, is just hitting and is making sure – that our pitching staff kind of picks things up a little bit. The return of Lance Lynn, even though that didn't go the way that we wanted to in his first start, he's getting into it with the bench coach. You saw that, eh, Doug? <laughs> you know I saw that. <laughs> you know, I don't know what that was about, but I'm sure Lance Lynn was frustrated by that pitch he threw. You know, and, and think about this, I like seeing that. I know some people may say, oh, I don't like to see a coach and a player getting into it. But, you know, that shows you that these guys are all still – fight and they're still battling and Lance is probably like look I want to get back to where I know this team needs to be at so I don't mind seeing that a little bit no you really don't friends I mean when guys start to show frustration start to show that they really care I think both of them do uh coach McEwen cares Land cares so the fact is they're trying to get on the same page I guess what they both say is probably a miscommunication there but at the end of the day man you out there trying to compete and fight which you all end up getting the win anyhow against the Tigers, which we shows, do. which is good too. So it's like, hey, what happened that day? It is what it is. You move on, you move forward. And I like how both of them responded, you know, uh, in the media when they had the chance to speak on it. So they were joking about it, Perez, but also mentioned there was a miscommunication. Coach talked about how much he loved Lynn. We all good though, but you're right. Get those uses for them. Sometimes you have a little argument on the, on the field. It is what it is. You're trying to win. Yeah, I just think though, know, when you look at that, so in that ball game, last Lynn went, well, he went four and a third innings, gave him yeah. 10 hits. 
three runs, didn't get credit for the win. But the most important part was he pitched, pain-free, and we got the W. Right. You know what I mean? And like I said, I'll take a little minor miscommunication, especially if it's going to lead to us getting a victory. I'm okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I never said much about it because you all won. I was like, well, it ain't that big of a deal. Maybe this is what they needed. Somebody to slide a little fire on them, right? And that's what sometimes you need, that little spark right there. You get the win, at the end of the day, that's all you want, the W. Yeah, but speaking of fire, sometimes that shit can backfire because when you got a guy like Michael Kopech who, you know, on that broadcast, you saw that shit on Sunday night, man, when, you know, he gave up a home run, he goes in the dugout and uses his pitching hand to let off some frustration in the dugout. Yeah. Steve, Steve Stone went after him a little bit, and it, it was it was on point because, Michael, we need you, man. You don't do that with your pitching hand, bro. Come on, bro. Not with the pitching hand, man. I get why you're frustrated. We totally get that part. But come on now, we need you for other games now. That's just one game. Brush it off, come back the next game, do your thing. That's all really, Perez. But you're right, you can't show that kind of frustration where you can inch yourself more. True story, true story. And like I said, you know you know that the guy's a competitor. And you yep. know that based on that ball game, he knew, fuck, you know, I, I gave up that pitch. It cost us in this game, and they ended up losing. And also, too, that's the Astros. They had a really good chance of winning that ball game. It didn't happen. Michael showed his frustration. You just got to be better than that. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to see one of your guys go down there. That reminded me of back in the day when Carlos Quentin was on the White Sox, and this guy was killing the baseball that season. And he struck out in the game and got pissed off at himself, and he took his baseball bat and hit himself in the wrist with it and broke his goddamn wrist. Missed the rest of the damn season, and we didn't even go to the playoffs that year. And so when I see stuff like that, it's like, no, let's not fucking do self-inflicted bullshit now. Come on. Yeah, you can't hurt yourself, man. You cannot do that. You can't get let the get let your frustrations or get the best of you. You got to hold that stuff in, man, and move forward. But I get it. These guys are very competitive friends that you and I know, but they got to think twice about hey, what they what their actions would do, what they will do to themselves, man, how that would hurt the team. So and now in those cases you mentioned, it hurt the team. But overall, I think these I think Kopech can bounce back though. Oh, and he will. I mean, listen, he's been the, the most consistent pitcher on the staff this season. Love what he brings. He's got electric stuff. As I said on the last episode, he's my CTV. So my thing with him, just, just be smarter, Michael. That's all. Be smarter. That's it. Yeah, exactly, Chris. But I'm glad he's taking everything serious, though. He knows that he's the guy right now. So he's been caring, as you can see. So that's probably also got to him as well, knowing that, hey, that you all are counting on him, Chris. So he wants to deliver. And I'm glad that he want to do that. Yeah, exactly. Now, let's turn the page and let's talk about your Chicago Cubs. I mean, at this point in time, we know what the situation is for the Cubs. They've been calling up a lot of young players. You guys got a lot of young talent that's being called up from AAA. As I want to kind of take this time to kind of get your thoughts on this team, because when you look at some of the veterans, like a Wilson Contreras, a Kyle Hendricks, I have to wonder, man, yeah. how they feel about this youth movement, because we continue to keep hearing Wilson Contreras' name comes up in all these trade rumors. And I'm saying that I think a guy like Jed Hoyer is probably looking at this like, man, I could get a, a huge haul of, of draft picks and, and probably it, uh, Major League Baseball ready type of talent to come here in that in a place like that, in a place of a guy like that. However, I know a lot of Cubs fans, including you, A-Dub, they'll be super disappointed if Wilson Contreras is not on this team after the All-Star break. But I wanted to get your thoughts, though, on how do you feel this youth movement affects a guy like a Kyle Hendricks or a Wilson Contreras? Well, I'll say this, man, with Contreras, and you're right, probably could get a whole lot back from him. I totally get that. But that is a guy, man, who I really like, man. This dude has, as I talked about before, has been a leader for this team. He's probably been the only guy who's been probably very well consistent holding this team together, at least trying to, for us. Whether we win or lose it, he's the guy, you know, in helping these young guys grow. So I would love his intention to stay on this team. And uh, probably could get a lot back for him, but you know what? I think he can help us help these young guys, too. Now, what about Kyle, the Kyle Hendricks aspect of things? Because now you had a veteran who's won a World Series, and now when he looks around, you look at this pitching rotation, and I mean, obviously him and Stroman are kind of top of the, the head of that snake, if you will, but you still got a lot of young guys, not only just in that pitching rotation, but on the team as, as a whole. So how do you feel like a guy like Kyle Hendricks is kind of thinking or navigating this, this you know, kind of the situation that's going on with the team right now? Well, you know what, Kyle, he just got to think about, hey, he has to be one of the guys, one of the leaders on, on, in the rotation. You asked me, Perez, with Marcus Stroman and him, they got to take the lead and show these young guys how to continue to get better. I know Kyle Hitchens has struggled a little bit at times, right, Perez? He hasn't been where I want him to be. But you know what? 
he still got some good stuff, man. He can pitch very well. He still has some good tools. And uh, he can be one of those guys that can even either be the opening opening day pitcher again next season. So what he can do is continue to mold on these players, help them continue to grow. He does see that some of these guys like Keegan Thompson has potential for us. Justin Steele's having potential. Hey, continue to mold those, mold those kids along, man, help them get better because they can be a big contributor coming next season. Yeah, and I guess the reason why I was asking you that question because I look at Kyle Hendricks and I think about he was the young guy at one point with the Cubs when he had John Lester, Jake Arrieta, John Lackey that set an example for him when he first came up. And so now I feel like he could probably be right. that buffer for the young guys, as you mentioned, the Keegan Thompson and so forth on this on this rotation. So I'm just kind of curious to get your thoughts there because I think that while this hasn't been the most consistent season for Kyle Hendricks, I still think there's a lot that he can right. teach these young guys about understanding what it's like to be in a winning environment, right? What it, it takes the day in and day out to give your best effort. And the one thing about him, man, I will say with Kyle Hendricks, he has the intentions. He can definitely put together some very good games for us because he got the tools like that. We've seen this guy do well in the past, and he can pick up, you know, have a few bad hours. But you know what? He put together five or six games where he's pitching six, seven strong in his press. Hey, that is a good situation for him. And it's a lot, a lot more games left to play. So he can turn things around definitely by the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, we, we talk about the top of that pitcher rotation where it's Kim and Stroman. You guys got Justin Steele, Caleb Killian, Keegan Thompson. You guys yep. have a lot of arms on the on the rotation, you know what I mean? And, and like I say with the Sox, I'm very happy with the type of rotation that we're trying out there. I mean, it's been inconsistent. However, when I yep. think about it, I think we're in good hands. And when I look at you guys, you guys got a really good future if these guys can develop and keep learning. And like I said, when you got a guy like Strowman and a guy like Kyle Hendricks at the top, I mean, those guys are going to pick up a lot for those two. And that's what it's all about, giving these youngsters some veterans to look at who they can potentially learn from. And I think Hendricks, like you said, Strowman, those are two good guys. And I like Marcus Strowman. I'm, really, I'm a fan of his. And I think he definitely can help these youngsters out because when he gets hot, he gets hot. Yeah, I mean, he's had a, a pretty inconsistent season. I mean, I think he's injured right now. But, you know, he, he's one of those guys that you know that, hey, he was a high-priced acquisition. And when the Cubs got him, he was a guy that really came in here and embraced being in Chicago and he loves yes. the city. You know what I mean, A-Dub? So I think that once things get rolling with this team, you're going to see the best come out of uh, Marcus Stroman. Absolutely. I'm not worried too much worried about Marcus Stroman, Press. As long as he's healthy, <laughs> when he get back healthy, you know, to, he'll play up to his potential. Um, eventually throughout the season. So I mean, he has a chance to really, you know, show us a lot what we pay for, what the white, what the Cubs pay. And also, too, your boy Theo Epstein, he was kicking it in the, in the Ricky's pictures. <laughs> and I love seeing that. I'm like, listen, listen, Theo, that man can do whatever he wants in Chicago. He brought y'all that championship. Theo was out there living his best life because, you know, he's moving out of Chicago, man, going back right. east. But I tell you one thing, man, I was happy to see him out there and join them, so. Me too, man, friends. I say Theo got the keys to Wrigley, no doubt, man. Anytime he pull up, man, it's great to have him. And um, he's done his job, right? I think the goal was to win the championship. He helped us bring that. I'm cool with him. So it's just always good to see him having a good time in, in the bleachers, man. Back then, chilling out, having a great time. So salute to Theo, man. Welcome back to the shot, baby. Yes, sir. Well, let's get into some of our University of Illinois contests. So we've already, we obviously have been talking about a lot of Illini basketball in this quote-unquote offseason. Ty Rogers, who we gave a lot of, of just really big-time kudos to on the last episode about what he's going to bring to this club next – what he's going to bring to this club in the fall. But when I think about the performance that he had at Team USA and how he was getting a lot of credit from the coaches out there, I mean, getting that gold medal, basically having his assistant coach on Team USA text Brad Underwood and say, look, this guy impacted this team in ways – well beyond the court. Brad Underwood is getting a kid coming in this, on this team as a freshman. It's going to be hard to keep him on the bench, man. We keep saying that, Perez. It really is, man, because this kid is already growing right now, Perez. Every game he gets his to play, competitive games at that, it's an opportunity for him to continue to grow. And what it's going to do, it's going to apply a lot of pressure on some of the players on the line night, man, when the season kicks off. So, and when Otherwood get to practice and all that stuff going very well, he's going to put a lot of pressure. And I hope these guys up for the challenge because this kid wants to play and wants to play every day. Yeah, because the guy, Mike, the assistant coach, him and Brad, they coached together at Stephen F. Austin. And what he said was like, look, 
I don't know your your roster very well, coach, but he said, but this kid's going to find a way. He said, I absolutely <laughs> love him. And that's the thing that you and I keep talking about this on this show. Right. He's going to find a way to get on that floor. Yeah, man, because it's not just about only offense with this kid, Perez. You and I talked about that. It's defense, too. So he playing, you know, both sides of the floor, man. Playing extremely hard, playing both sides very well. You can't keep a kid down like that. Mm-hmm. And, they, they, and all the coaching staff over there gave him props. They said, listen, they loved him after the first two days, and they said after two weeks they absolutely were in love with him. And the coach of the team, he even said, my first impression is he's a guy that's going to make everybody else, everybody else around him better. And that is what I thought watching him play in, in high school. When yep. I saw him playing on the AAU circuit, I said, man, this guy knows how to impact winning. And the thing is, people think back, think that you only impact winning. A lot of, a lot of folks think this, Briz, with just scoring. No, 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 no. Sometimes it's about key plays, key stops, right? Key rebounds. This kid does whatever it takes for us. He don't care. If I got to get into your face a little bit, you know, he'll say some words, but he does it in his own way, right? If he got to play hard and guard one of the toughest players out there, he'll do that. He doesn't care. He just want to win. Yeah, he's a team player, and that's what you yep. want. I mean, especially when you look at this Illini team, and we know that it's loaded coming in here for the fall. A guy like him, he's going to definitely fit, get in where he fits in, but you know he's not going to be sulking if maybe he's not, you know, starting right away, right? Because you know right. he'll keep grinding. He's going to do what he's going to have to do. But I'll tell you, a guy like R.J. Melendez, man, brother, I hope you're somewhere in the gym training right now because it's going to be some competition. <laughs> that man's oh, yeah. coming for your minutes. He's coming for your minutes. You too, Goody. They know, Brent. I think they know. They've been hearing. They've been watching. Just like everyone else has, right? Like, oh, yeah, that, that kid right there, he can be special. So watch out. But you're right. He's coming for some jobs, man. Keep coming. But one of the things that we hearing a lot out of Brad is he's talking about the summer workouts that they're having down there in Champaign, and he's letting a lot of people know. He said, look, I know that people think that we lost a lot of guys, but he said, look, we ain't rebuilding. We reloaded. He said, that's what we're doing <laughs> with, this, with this program right now. And Brad's got a little bit of that. I feel like he got a little bit of fire in his belly going right now, man. Brad, he's been hearing a lot of people talking shit about this team. And I'm telling you, man, we're going to see Brad Underwood probably coach his style of play for the first time probably since he's been here as the coach. Yeah, Preston. Brad Underwood, man, to me, come across a little feisty, too. You know, like, he's very competitive. Got a little feistiness in him, Perez. He wants to win. He has that grit, you know, and uh, his team kind of plays that way, too. So now he has the team in, into his own real true identity now, right, Perez? And now, I mean, it's going to be hell, man, with this team. It's going to be a hard team to beat. It really is once they all figure it out. And the one thing, too, you can just tell from being down there is that there feels like a new energy in that building. Yeah. And one of the things that I felt like last season is, you know, you had a lot of the veteran late stayovers. You had a lot of the veterans that have been around, the Frasers and and Kofi and, and DeMonte Williams and, you know, all those guys. But And Jacob Grandison. The thing is now, right. when you look at this team now, man, it, it's no telling who's going to be that guy that's going to stand up and be – that face of this franchise. I mean, it's going to be the face of this program because there's so much talent on the team. We still don't know. Is it going to be Terry Shannon Jr.? Is he the one that's going to say, no, this is my team? Is it going to be right. Matthew Meyer? We don't know. Is it going to be Scott Clark? Don't know. <laughs> because it could be anybody's night. It could be anybody's night because when I look at a guy like Scott Clark who's working his way back from that partially torn ACL, we're hearing reports from him that this guy's getting into some good shape. He's going to be working with Fletcher down there, the, the strength and conditioning coach who's one of the best in the country for Illinois. When you got a guy like that who even credited Fletch when he committed to the Illini, that goes to show you that this guy's taking his career and his pro prospects very seriously when he's thinking about what Fletcher will be able to do for his body and for his health. Yeah, Chris, that's what it's about right there, baby. Transforming your body. Get into that basketball conditioning and shape, man. You can be something special when that season kick off. So it just shows that these kids are putting an energy and time into that, right, and taking care of their bodies. That helps you along the way, Chris. Not only just in college, but it also helps you to make it to the pro level as well. Learn to do that stuff. Learn to do it early, which is what they're working on now. Yeah, because he's talking about the one-on-one workouts. It's kind of the only way that he's been able to kind of work his way back. He says like a day-to-day uh, situation as far as that knee. But I, I yeah. feel like, man, once the fall comes around, he's going to be ready to go. Yeah, give him a little time. You're right, Perez. He'll be, he'll be ready. And I think a kid like him, humble as he is, oh, he'll definitely be ready. Yeah, and also, too, I mean, you got to think about it. 
He hasn't been playing a lot of the, the, the all-star game circuit. He's kind of shut himself down from that. So you can tell he's taking this upcoming season very seriously. He knows what's at stake. I mean, he's got a chance to be a one-and-done player if he comes and takes over the stage at, in Champagne, like a lot of people think he will. Yeah, you're right about that, Prince. But the most important thing first is to get healthy, right? <laughs> Let's get that part out of the way first. Yep. But no, I'm looking forward to seeing what he'll be able to do here at that next level. Returning from those ACL injuries, I mean, we've seen that in the past here in Chicago when it came to a Derrick Rose, getting back after tearing an ACL. His wasn't a partial tear. It was a complete tear. But there's still the mental aspect of that that you got to work your way back. So I'm hoping this yeah. guy can work through that mental part and fucking – I mean, and have really confidence that, listen, this knee is good. I can go out there and make all the cuts and play in my game and not even fucking worry about getting hurt again. Yeah, that's the key right there, Prince, that mental part of it, man. And if he were to have one bad game, not to let it get to him either, right? He comes out there, you know, may not trust it as much as you want to. Let's not get all too worried about that part of it. Let the kid continue to find his way and work his way back into it. Because, you know, playing a real game versus pickup games and practice maybe it could be a little bit different, a little bit different than a regular game. No, and that's facts there. Like I said, man, I'm just excited to see what takes place with this team this fall. I'm getting excited every time I see New uh, Colts come out for Brad. I can't wait till you and I get down there a little later in the summer for some of our in-person uh, interviews and in-person press conferences. I'm really looking forward to just seeing what we're going to be able to see with this team, getting around the yeah. team and getting to know these guys. So that's going to be really cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too, Perez. It's, it's dope, man. Even even being on that last season, Perez, having a good time, seeing the players, how prepared they were. I'm quite sure this unit here is going to be just as competitive as the last unit, man. And they feel like they all got some approval, so it'll be great to get a chance to know them a little bit better, too. Yes, sir. Well, let's get over to our Chicago Bulls content, man. We've been talking a lot about rumors when it comes to one Zach Levine. At one point, a lot of people were worried because Zach was talking about how he was going to embrace free agency. He wanted to be courted and, and whatnot. Then we started hearing all these fake trade rumors and, oh, Brett, uh, Zach could go to this team and that team. And the whole time I was kind of thinking, I think the main decision comes down to not whether or not they're going to trade him, but if the organization feels like Zach is worth the 200 plus million that he's going to qualify for. And what we're hearing, A-Dub, is that the organization is, is pretty much on board with giving Zach this max deal. And we're hearing rumors that he's expected to resign early in free agency. Oh, that's dope. Get it out the way, Chris, and we can move on. The earlier, the sooner, the better, man. That's kind of how I see it. Uh, bring them on back. That's the, the key there. And let's work with the unit we have and try to build up from there. We're trying to get key free agents that can come and help this team move forward. It's about getting to that championship um, level. So that's where we're at. Well, so this is the thing. Most teams right now, their focus is on the draft, which is coming up here on Thursday. But the Bulls, I think the draft is taking a back seat to making sure that they get Zach Levine back into the fold. Yeah. I, look, I'm not mad at the Bulls for that. I mean, that's, he's one of the key free agents, right? He's a big part of what the Bulls is try, are trying to do. So why not try to get this out the way first, right? Let's see if we can get Zach back in. Because otherwise, it might make you think differently if you can't get him back, right? You may have to go a different direction. So if you can get him back, go ahead and do that. Focus on that part of it, Perez, and bring back and have your two stars, man, to build around and move forward. Yeah, but now one thing, too, I just I worry about it. Now, the fact that those reports came out that he's expected to resign early, I wonder, now, is he going to take any visits? Is he going to take any calls? Or is he just going to go ahead and just put pen to paper and, and, and make and, – or is he going to just go ahead and verbally commit to the Chicago Bulls? Ooh, that's a good uh, that's a good question there, Perez, what he's going to do there. I don't know how he's going to take this or what he's planning to do. He might listen, but still may still, you know, sign with the Bulls. That's something they probably could do to go through the experience, right? of going through the process and be able to teach other people the same thing years when you retire. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, I still think this guy still want to be here in Chicago and he might just go ahead and sign, still sign early. Now, one thing here, now when this deal becomes official, if he does get the full max from the Bulls, this is going to be the largest contract ever signed in Chicago Bulls history. Now, I want you guys to remember that. In the city where Michael Jordan played, Zach Levine is going to have a contract that is going to be the largest contract in Chicago Bulls history. If you guys didn't realize that this NBA money these days is crazy, just think about that. Highest contract value in Chicago Bears, Chicago Bulls history. Damn. <laughs> hey, man, got Skype over there, man. 
over there cringing over there. Like, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gonna get this guy the money? I've been here all those years. I have to fight you all for a couple of dollars. Man, man, man. But you're right, friends. Things have changed, baby. This ain't the 90s. It's definitely not the 90s. Now, this is another thing, too. Now, if Zach would have been able to stay healthy, he could have had him one of them Supermax deals with him at $248 million. Yeah. Could Jesus be a Christ. blessing besides. Could be meant for the Bulls. A blessing in disguise to now not to pay that much money. But at the end of the day, I'm all for paying players and what they work, man. That's what it is. What come down to it is what it is. So, but salute to Zach, man, on a big payday. He's going to get it. Listen, I mean, at the end of the day, if that's what your market value says, then, then you pay it. I know that you were early in the offseason thinking that, hey, Zach isn't worth this. He's not a $200 million player. But in this NBA, in this NBA landscape, I mean, I guess Zach Levine is a two hundred million dollar player, <laughs> right? Prince. Maybe he is in this new um, era. Everybody's a two hundred million dollar man, really. If you were star of the team, I guess. But you know what? For me, I really thought that hey, when you talk about paying somebody two hundred million, man, I'm like, hey, you got to do uh, extra more than just give me twenty points, man. You're gonna have to give me offense, Steph Curry type offense, or be a two way player like that or something, man. You just can't just give me points and think it's all good. Yeah, because you know what? That's a good point because you got to make that impact. I mean, we see a lot of guys. I mean, look at – and I don't want to get too much into talking about non-Chicago teams, but look at Jason Tatum. He's a, right. a, a super max player, right, or a max player. And we saw in the finals, down the stretch there, when it matters the most, Jason Tatum disappeared. Right. And so when you think about what a $200 million player is, that's somebody like a Steph Curry that put that team on his back and got them that championship. That's what you wanted, 200 million, friends. That's what you pay for, I thought, right? <laughs> that kind of money, right, on those type of players like that. So you got to be not just an all-star. You have to be a superstar. And I think Zach Levine is an all-star kind of player. I just don't see him as a superstar. So maybe you can show me that maybe next season or so, friends. But right now, all I see is an all-star level. And, and, that, and that's fair. And he also has to prove that he can stay healthy. And I hope that that knee will get through a whole season. And I think that it'll be it'll, it'll be okay. It's just down the stretch of the season, we saw Zach kind of being a shell of himself. He was gutting it out for the team. Yeah. And so, to your point, yeah, he's an all-star caliber player, but I'm wondering if there's another level that Zach can get to. Right. And that's what we're hoping for right there, Perez. They can get to the next level because he's still young enough, still talented enough, right? I think he hit a key point about his health. That's got to be there first. Yep. Now, we did say now the draft is coming up, so we would be remiss if we didn't touch on that very quickly. A-Dub, do you have any prospects that you kind of looked at in this draft and you said, hey, this guy might be a really good fit for the Bulls there at that 18, at the 18 spot? Chris, I really haven't dived deep as I wanted to looking at that draft, you know, uh, for this year here. But at that spot, man, it's a couple guys that I think that might – the thing is, it's also where they feel, you know what I'm saying, people are going to be at as far as the mock goal, right? Because that, that's always the challenge right there for us. Who's going to be available at 18, right? Who's going to be available at that point, you know? And um, I look at, you know, guys um, – <laughs> So when I look ahead to the, this NBA draft that's coming up, I'm looking at – a couple of guys that I think that the Bulls probably could prioritize at that number 18 pick. Obviously, all this you go that we cover the Illini, so I've watched a lot of Big Ten basketball. So a guy like EJ Liddell, who was at Ohio State, big-time scorer, big-body wing, I think he raised his draft stock a lot this up this season based on you know the performance that he had out there, what he did at Ohio State this season. He would be somebody that would come in at a position where we need a little bit more size and be able to give us something that we need. My only question with a guy like E.J. Liddell is if he would be there at 18. But I would say, man, this guy, he's been solid. He's got a decent little perimeter shot, and it's going to force defenders to have to guard him. And that's really, in this NBA, that's what you want. You want a guy that people have to respect their shot, they have to step out. You know what I'm saying? He could get all the way out to that three-point arc. So my thing is, that's an area where I think that this guy – probably could improve upon his game maybe outside of that three-point uh, area. I think his jump shot quality, I think that could probably be the difference between him being a solid player versus maybe taking that next step and being like a superstar type of player. But I think a guy like him will be probably a really good uh, good pick. I know he's not going to give 
the the fans base that sizzle that they're looking for to pick. He's solid more than anything. But if they're looking for somebody that can have that star superstar type of potential, you got to look at a guy like Malachi Branham from Ohio State. Now, this is a guy right here that I've seen. He was a freshman on that Ohio State team, so teammates with E.J. Liddell. Malachi Branham, as a freshman, had some breakout games. He started the season slow, but towards that second half of the season in the Big Ten tournament, he showed you, okay, he's going to be a one-and-done player, great potential, and I think that potentially if the Bulls wanted to go and take a risk on a prospect like they did with a Patrick Williams, where they're kind of looking at somebody and saying, hey, can this guy have a superstar type of impact on this team? Then you might want to go for a Malachi Brandon type of guy. I think, if you think about it, he's three years younger than Liddell. And yep. he's got a lot of growth ahead of him. You look at a guy like Pat Wilder that you have on this team. You can grow and build for the future with guys like that on your team. Uh, his jump shot, pretty nasty. And he can shoot it well beyond the three-point arc. So I was talking about earlier with EJ Liddell saying, hey, he's got a decent shot with inside the three-point arc. But we say, I said that he's got the potential to develop that a little bit better in the NBA game. Well, Malachi Brandon has a sweet stroke. He's got that three-point shot. And I would just say the only knock that you have against Malachi Brandon from Ohio State is just the fact that he had the slow start to the season. And on top of that, I thought another big knock on him was he didn't always get his teammates around him involved. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know at the pro level if that's going to matter as much because he's not going to have the ball in his hands like he did in college. But in college, I thought he could have done a little bit more to create opportunities for other people. But at the end of the day, if you want somebody to go get buckets, He's going to get those buckets for you. Hey, those are some intriguing picks right there, Perez. I think I look at this Bulls team, and I think about what we need to continue to be competitive, Perez, in this game here to help try to get this Bulls team to the next level. I thought about the rebounding piece, and I look at a guy like uh, Walker Kessler, Perez, a guy at Auburn. I thought a guy like him could block shots, play in the paint. Those are the kind of guys I think will work well with this kind of unit. We want to worry about having the ball in their hands, but more become more of a rim protector and more finishers, right? He's like 7-1, Fred. He's a sophomore. So I think a guy like him will probably fit well on this Bulls team, Fred. So you know we could definitely use those rebounds as someone who's not who Vooch is, right, who's different from him, can give us a spark. So I think having a young guy like that who can mow along and probably be ready by the time we get to playoffs will be good. So I think a guy like that will definitely work for you. Um, so a kid like him. I do also think that we do need uh, maybe some more shooters too, like a Nikola Jovic, um, that guy right there from Serbia. I think him with his height, he's like 16, Perez, can straight out shoot, man. You need guys like that who can stretch the floor too. So having another shooter on the team, especially a 16 guy who can shoot, you definitely can use that on your team. So we definitely need a couple people like that, Perez, on this squad to continue to spread the floor when guys like, you know, Zach Levine uh, get double team or – even, even 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 if someone else gets double team on the team, you know, it's, you need somebody that can shoot the ball very well. Yeah, I mean, when you think about a guy like Walker Kessler, I mean, his freshman year when he was at North Carolina, he didn't really make much of an impact. Uh, we right. saw that he broke out a little bit at Auburn last season. Yes, yeah, so, yep. I mean, he's got some decent numbers. I think when you think about the areas that he can impact this team, is defensively, like you mentioned, yep. the blocks. He's going to have a decent little impact there at the next level on the interior. He's got really good instincts. Rim protection, which we didn't have a lot of on this team last year. So I like that. He's got some good physical tools. But when I look at what he doesn't necessarily do well at this moment, is right now his ball handling is a little off. He doesn't have I an agree. outside shot. And nope. that's a, those are some things in this modern NBA that he's going to have to be able to do. He's going to have to be able to have that outside shot so people can respect him, so he can draw the big away from the paint a little bit, right? That's what we need him to be able to do. You know what I mean? He's also not going to be able to guard people outside the paint. Not explosive no. offensively. So my whole thing is that limits you a little bit defensively. And when you look at this Bulls team, we need more people that can have that versatility that can switch off a little bit because we already have a guy down low that can't defend worth for them. <laughs> right, right, right. And so That's we true. want to just make sure that a guy like Kessler, who can make blocks and he can play the, play pretty well in the under the basket, but I'm also wondering – if you take him away from the basket, he's going to get exploited off the drive. Yeah, you know, the good thing about that, Perez, is we do have a team of players. You're right, Vooch struggling in some of that area too. But we do have Caruso, Io, of course, Ball, Patrick Williams. These are very good perimeter players. you got so many 
that could be out there on the floor with a guy like a Kessler, you know. So, you know, never know. It could possibly work out if, if it's the right fit. You know, that's what it's about with a lot of these players, the fit. Can you fit into that scheme, what they're trying to, what the team is trying to do? If you don't fit the scheme, then you better not get drafted, right, uh, to pick that coach. But that's something to think about even with him. So you never know. Could be a pick, maybe not. But you know what? At the end of the day, I know we do need some rim protectors for sure because the ones we got ain't doing nothing right now. <laughs> right. But then also, too, you got to think about this, A-Dub. You also have free agency that you could also maybe shore that that position up as well. You know what I mean? So yep. they got options. They got options. And that's, yep. that's, the, that's the beautiful part about this time of year. Absolutely. You hit a good point right there, bro. Got some options right there. All right. Before we get out of here, audience, we're going to delve into the Byron Pringle situation he had with the Chicago Bears media. So the first time he got to talk with the media, they had a lot of questions about his past. And Byron Pringle, A-Dub, did not like the fact that those recruiter, those reporters kept bringing <laughs> up his arrest that he had in April. No, I think the report's kind of wrong, man. He was trying to keep things positive, right? Positive injury, right? For his, and he didn't want to add anything that's going to actually take it away from the team, right? And put the team in a negative light. And I think that's why he was going with it. But the reporters kept trying to give him to say something to talk about it, Perez, and use the gifts to me. Actually, use the gifts to the team, really. So I like how he handled it. I'm kind of glad he gave a good spin. But I'm quite sure he wasn't happy with the questions. No, if you looked at his face, the first time he got the question, he said, look, you know, I got no thoughts on it, right? He he said it was handled internally. I would have right. left it alone. You know, you yep. and I, we're in these press conferences. We are respectful of the players. And we also are the type of cast, though, and we talk about this in the past on this show. We also understand that these athletes are humans. They're going to make mistakes. How would you, reporter or media person, feel if somebody's questioning you or calling you on your shortcomings and the things that you're doing in your personal life that you might not have been proud of? I mean, at the end of the day, the guy was doing donuts in an expensive car. Right. Like, why does that really matter to anybody? Like, exactly. just leave it alone. And I think at the end of the day, some people will say, well, President Doug, he had a kid in the car with him. Yeah, but... I know people when I was growing up that they would do that kind of stuff and show off with their kids in the car. I'm not saying that it was right. I'm not right. saying it's okay. But I'm saying there's worse things that he could have done besides doing some donuts in the parking lot. I'm with you there. No, fair enough, Chris. That's definitely a fair statement there, man. It's just that it's, it becomes unfortunate when people try to force you into that and put you in a box like that. And I thought the reporters were trying to corner him. You know what I'm saying? I think yeah. that was right at all. You know, like, no. don't do the guy like that. And that, that's how you lose credibility, too, as a reporter, talking about credibility. And um, you make you give the report, you get people who actually in the media who want to do a good thing for players and for everyone, and you give them a bad name by trying to antagonize these players like that. So got to be careful with that kind of thing, man. And, again, the Bears are on a different track right now. There's a new team. We're trying to do things differently here. So reporters, don't go looking for drama, man. If it's not there, you don't want to give it to you. Let's move on. Yeah, at the end of the day – don't you want to have a good relationship with the player? Don't you want the player to give you good uh, interviews, to have a good yeah. time? You know, don't ask clown questions because that's kind of what he said. He's like, look, I'm here to play football. I'm not here to answer clown-ass questions. Right. Exactly, man. Talk to about the team and how you're going to contribute on this team here. Let's talk about that. That's important to all the fans anyway about that. What are you going to bring to the table? Let's not talk about things off the field that really don't matter. Yeah, because you talk, you and I talk about this often on DBE. We talk about the fact that this guy is going to be a major contributor to our offense. I mean, right now, the way this is set up, Darnell Mooney's that guy, number one guy in that receiver room. Well, now you got opportunity in Brian Pringle that he could be that number two. Right. This is probably going to be the best opportunity he's going to get in his young career. And so I, he obviously understands that. And for him, he's probably just like, look, I want to talk about football. If that's what y'all right. if y'all want to talk about that, all good. You want to talk about what I did in my past? I'm not here to talk about that. And I respect that. Everybody deserves the right to privacy. You know, some people may disagree with me, but listen, man, these athletes and what they do in their personal life is none of our fucking business. It really isn't. And I always I always agree with you on this part, Press. They are human too, bro. Gotta remember that. Human beings too. Yeah, at the end of the day. And none of us out here perfect. So I think that our Chicago media, especially on that Bears beat, they got to do a better job with the way that they ask questions. I feel like a lot of times those guys are trying to be cute with their questions to try to paint guys in the – to kind of put guys in the corner a little bit. And you can tell Byron Pringle looks hella uncomfortable during that media session. That wasn't good. 
not one good at all, man. You don't want to put a guy in a situation like that because now he may just start answering questions for all media, generally, generic, give generic answers, right, Chris? And not want to talk about too much at all because of how reporters like this one can do right to the site, you know? So you got to be careful with that stuff. And I think that's a hell of a point, A-Dub. That's the one thing the media will sit here and say, oh, this guy gave a canned response to my question or he gave a generic response. Well, that's what's going to happen because they don't trust you. Right. You know, they take my words. Because they like, you're going to take my words and manipulate them and and, and whatever else. So you're going to try to ask me these questions to kind of put me on the spot a little bit. Exactly, Chris. And you're on the same page with that, bro. That's the thing right there. So I want these guys, the players, to open up to us, but we got to also earn their trust. And I, I think it's a two-way street. Yep, two-way street. All right, audience, final segment time, if this city could talk, keeping it short and simple as always. We've seen a lot of targeted burglar, bur, we've seen a lot of targeted burglaries in the Chicagoland area. And in these targeted burglaries, we see that they're going after senior citizens. And they're trying to distract them with these fake mechanical problems in their neighborhood. So the Chicago Police Department here is trying to warn people to try to make sure that they understand. Just be careful when you see these different, quote unquote, mechanical alerts and problems in your area. Do a little due diligence. Don't just let people in your home. Be careful out here. Ask questions. Don't just assume that the person is who they, don't just assume that the person just because they say they're with this outfit because there's this mechanical problem. Ask questions. Don't just let everybody in your house. So if this city could talk, it would say, be careful, do your due diligence, and just don't let everybody and everybody in your crib. Now, be careful. Be safe. Got to be careful. Got to be safe. I'm with you there, Perez. If this city can talk, the Cubs will be congratulated for celebrating Black businesses at Wrigley Field. That's something we don't hear often, but definitely got to salute the Cubs for what they did. Celebrate Black business is always a key factor, especially around Juneteenth. It's good to show respect. And I think the Cubs are showing a lot of respect to Black business by doing that. So great job for putting on the show there. Appreciate them for putting it out there, those Black businesses that people maybe not knew about at all. So thanks to the Cubs for giving them a platform. Yes, sir. And on this Juneteenth, I mean, that was a hell of a, uh, if this city could talk, A-Dub, because I think that was just the perfect way to sum up what that means, to be a partner to the African-American community. So salute to the Chicago Cubs. Audience. As always, we appreciate your continued support of this platform with Chicago State of Mind. Thanks for listening, and we are out. Jordan was, he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.